All right, before we get down to it in the Blue Bomber podcast, let's hear the sounds of the game from Saturday, Bombers Owls. Ten Bombers, Alouette 16, handoff Harris down to the 10, Harris to the 5, and he walks in for the touchdown. He had nothing but room off the right side. He goes into the snow in the end zone and starts flipping it into the crowd just the way they started three weeks ago in Montreal. And Nedlock's kick is a towering boot. Alford at the 20-yard line. Up the left side of the 25 to 30. Great speed down the sideline. Nedlock's the only one with a shot at him, and he is gone. Alford returned one for a touchdown last week against the Calgary Stampeders. And Mario Alford gives the Alouettes a lead with a punt return touchdown. Second and nine. At the Alouette 14-yard line for the Blue Bombers. Here's a blitz coming. Strebler throws down to the goal line. Touchdown, Drew Walatarski. He just outfought the Montreal defensive back for that one. And the Bombers go back in front. Second down and 10. Alouette, Bomber 30. Ball in the right half. Adams with Jeremiah Johnson to his right. Five receivers out. Adams back to pass. Big Hill blitzing, but Adams runs away from him. And on the run, he throws, but he's across the line of scrimmage. It's a touchdown. Vernon Adams in the gun with the ball on the left hash mark. Jeremiah Johnson to his right. And he'll fake it to Johnson. Roll right, being chased by Jeffco. Fire a pass. That's intercepted by Nick Taylor at the 35. Taylor to the 20, the 15, the 10. That's a bomber touchdown. Nick Taylor playing just his second Blue Bomber game. Adams, shotgun, pressure coming. And he just throws it up for grabs down near the goal line, and it's caught for a touchdown. Nick Taylor had good coverage on Juan Bray, but Bray just out bottom for the ball and pulls it in down at the goal line with 32 seconds left in the game. This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Doug Brown, Greg Mackling with you. And it is the Blue Bomber Podcast. And Doug, not a bad little game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Saturday. Would you say this was uh, complimentary football? A good win from all aspects of the team? Yeah, it's certainly every phase contributed. You know, it didn't start off well for me because I was very upset that they cleared all of the snow off the field. And I'm like, <laughs> why would you do it? Do you have any idea what your football team is? You know, you want what do you want to have a fast track out there? Track me? You want to turn into a passing situation? No. So uh, it's like, I don't know. It's like you have uh, a tank at your house and you only drive it on four lane highways. It's just like... That's not what a tank is for, Greg. You take your tank and you make your own roads, okay? And uh, so it was funny, though. We had Wade come on the on the pregame show, and he was like, I mean, it was fantastic what the stadium and the, uh, the workers there were able to do clearing, because it was snowing forever on Friday. I was actually out driving in on Friday, which was highly regrettable. And uh, But it was snowing forever. Like, they had to keep 
like you can't just wait because it's going to pile up too much. So right. Every time you're working, you're clearing, you're hoping that's going to be it, and it kept dumping snow and dumping snow or whatever. But they literally had it. You wouldn't even have known at that game. You were there, obviously, uh, that it snowed at all. But I was just sitting there going, well, that sounds counterproductive. Why don't you you know, just invite a track meet and, and host it here on your on your football field. So. Well, and what's interesting is it seemed as though the Blue Bombers were game planning for there to be two or three inches of sticky <laughs> white snow on the field because Andrew Harris, I, I won't say that he found another gear, but they certainly were running all the right plays in my mind to him, with him, and Chris Strebler seemed to find a little bit more of that running game that was maybe missing against Saskatchewan last week. Yeah, what did Andrew have, 23 or 24 carries or something like that in that game? Uh, uh, well over 100, a huge mark. Oh, 166 yards. Yeah. It was absolutely an incredible uh, performance by Andrew Harris and, and something that I would guess, Doug, that we'll need to see more of if the Blue Bombers are to make any noise as we head down the stretch here. So, so the best part of that game was the fact that it was playoff winter condition football, even though the the football club had removed all the winter conditions. But it was still cold. Uh, the field surface was still wet. Um, you know, it was, uh, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a hundred percent like the kind of field you'd see in July, but yeah, they sure played and, and, you know, that has got to be their blueprint going in with only two games remaining and then a bye before they, uh, have their first playoff game. Uh, hopefully that is something not only that they can replicate the next two weeks, but they can carry on that style into, uh, into the postseason. Obviously, uh, no win is perfect. They had some flaws. They had some mistakes in that game, but uh, they really got back to their identity, not only offensively in terms of running that football uh, and and trying to complete you know high percentage passes for the most part, um, but defensively they took the ball away four times. Uh, they sacked uh, Vernon Adams what uh, twice in that game. Uh, Willie Jefferson got back on top of his game, uh, three more pass knockdowns. I believe, I believe like he's about to break some record because no defensive lineman has ever had like the most pass knockdowns in a, in a season, uh, ahead of like defensive backs or, or guys that are in coverage that the ball's throwing, sure. thrown at them a number of times. And, and he's just batting him down on the line of scrimmage, which is insanely impressive, which should add to his most outstanding player bid and or most outstanding defensive player bid. So uh, it was just good to see them play that style of football. It's almost like getting back to your fundamentals and your your grassroots and and your foundation of what has brought you success uh, over the last few years. The defense was totally on point in that regard. And aside from a few hiccups offensively, they obviously uh, showed very well, too, in the kind of style of football, smash smash mouth, ground and pound stuff uh, we'd like to see throughout the rest of the year. Now, as usual, you came up with some tremendous superlatives there to describe the Blue Bombers game, but uh, identity is the word that jumps out mm-hmm. to me. This is what they need to be, what they have to be, and unfortunately, I'll combine the good and the bad. The Blue Bombers were great inside the red zone. They typically score two out of every three visits to the red zone. Uh, unfortunately, the one visit that they had in that second half, 
uh, out of the three that they, pardon me, in the first half that they had uh, to the red zone uh, from the 21-yard line, so it technically doesn't count, was a Chris Trevler interception in the end zone. And the Bombers were only up 15-10 to 10 at the half. And it was, in my mind, a potentially pivotal point of the game, Doug, because the Blue Bombers have to get points when they're in the scoring zone, whether it's field goals or touchdowns. The Bombers proved that last week in Saskatchewan when you have that idea that when you can score three points, you, you can't just come away with nothing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, it can end up being a 10-point, 14-point swing, whatever, the other way. If they end up scoring a major and marching down the field, you're in a position you're going to extend your lead. You end up you know, reducing it. So uh, that was one of the things... Uh, uh, that left a bad taste in your mouth, I think, after this game was just, it's not the fact that, you know, uh, a lot of good quarterbacks can throw two interceptions in a, in a game, but it was very similar to what we saw, uh, the same kind of mistake we saw in, in, in previous games. In fact, just the last one in terms of in the score zone opportunity to get a major. And uh, for me, it was, it was under throwing uh, a football uh, when the defender had inside leverage on your, like, it, that is a scenario for me where you either your your guy either catches it or it's out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Those are your only two options when when you're throwing that route and you're in that situation in a football game. You're either throwing that thing out of bounds or your guy's getting a teardrop over his shoulder where he's the only one can catch. When you throw it short and you know your your players behind coverage already you just you're just given an opportunity obviously for the defender to make a play on that or break on the ball and 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 pick it off and that's what he did and that was the the disappointing thing was that you want you want your young quarterback to learn from his mistakes and we saw that one repeated on uh in two consecutive weeks sometimes you throw up a 50 50 ball just because you need a break but you don't want to create one where one didn't exist until you well, actually let the ball go ball. it was a 90 10 ball is what it was yeah, right it, it just it. should not have been a throw yeah it was uh easier for the the guy in coverage to to catch that than it was for the intended target so to call it a 50 50 ball is very very generous and gracious of you well i i, I mean giving you it is thanksgiving yeah. uh after all so chris Trevler, uh, otherwise uh what did you like about his game that I, I thought his passing game up you know outside of those interceptions uh was vastly improved uh to me i was like wow you know i was very impressed he he did throw for throw a touchdown pass um, he did distribute the ball pretty accurately on time, um, uh, hitting guys in stride. Uh, he had some receivers make some plays for him, and it was a great combination of run and pass. Uh, I think the way you like to see it uh, distributed, and so I thought his passing game was improved. That was the only flaw on an otherwise uh, strong performance, I'd say, from Chris Strebler was the fact that. He demonstrated he he wasn't uh, learning from uh, previous week's mistakes. Can I make a request for more plays to Nick Dembski? I feel as though Nick Dembski has gotten lost in the last few weeks, and uh, maybe that's just a product of a couple of the interceptions Strevler has thrown in the last four or five weeks have been balls where (laughs) Strevler's looking at absolutely nobody else but Nick Dembski, so maybe he's a little bit shy to go to him, but I really think that's a part of the offense that's been lacking and, and missing since Matt Nichols left this lineup due to injury. 
Yeah, um, obviously Nick Dembski has been a, a dynamic threat when he has been targeted. Uh, he's had some big explosive plays just on some go routes over the middle where he's gotten behind coverage. People have lost him in the shuffle. And uh, obviously he can uh, he can run the rock as well, uh, spell Andrew Harris. Uh, Andrew Harris, if he continues to get these kind of carries, obviously uh, Nick Dembski, you'd probably want him more and more involved in the offense. But you're right, he's a... Uh, He's a dynamic threat, uh, you know, in the passing game and in the running attack, and uh, totally agree with you that he should be involved more. Okay, so the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, currently, it sounds good. It sounds better than it is in terms of the standings. <laughs> ten, ten and six. Ten and six. Tied for first with ten wins, right? Yes, but we have a little bit of a problem. The two teams ahead of them have only played 15 games. One of the teams that is ahead of them in the standings, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, owns the season series between the two teams, and the Calgary Stampeders, even though the Blue Bombers lead the season series against them, are their competition for their final two games of the regular season. And let's, and I think I touched on this, however, briefly last time we spoke, Doug, the idea that, okay, so you've beaten Calgary once already in order to get a home playoff game, not even necessarily the West final, you're most likely going to have to beat Calgary both times you play them. Mm-hmm. And then you want to advance to either the Grey Cup or the Western final, depending on the scenario for playoffs. The likelihood of beating the Calgary Stampeders four times in one season, highly unlikely to impossible. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough scenario now. You know, it, it makes you think back to that game in Montreal Must where they be. had that huge lead. Just games that got got away from you, right? right? When you had a lead in Labor Day Classic, and it got away from you, right? In a final drive, you know, they had opportunities to have that home field advantage first round by. And right now, I mean, the odds are that they'll probably finish third, and mm-hmm. they'll have to go on the road. Essentially three times if you uh, you know play the Grey Cup in in Calgary, um, that's just how it's how it's played out now. Unfortunately, and for me, I mean, this is their biggest game. Going to Calgary on uh, on Saturday for this game, that's everything. You lose that game, you're resigned to third place. You know, unless somehow you know Saskatchewan goes zero for three and Calgary, uh, I think it's. Uh, um, almost impossible for those teams to uh, to not have a win in the, in their final weeks uh, in their final opponents, but um, it, it starts and ends for me with how they play in, in Calgary. That is their one opportunity to boom. Hey, we've just won the season series. That was a hard game. Now we get them at home. You're guaranteed a home playoff game if you can beat Calgary these next two games, and it just starts with this one in front. You know, Michael Shea always says. The most important game is the next one, but you never know what that's impacting. But we sure as hell know what this game is impacting, right? This is where you're going to go on the road three times or not to uh, have a chance to be in the Grey Cup, uh, or you're going to have uh, a bigger, a massive advantage by having home field advantage. And the Bombers are very, very good. What are they, 7-1 and one now at, at home at, at IGF? So um, they're, things like that, in the playoffs get amplified home field advantage just becomes bigger and bigger. And you saw how that defense was playing and, and ball hawking and the offense got going and there wasn't even anybody there because of the, the Colorado low and it was super loud still. Right. So you can imagine a playoff scenario, how advantageous that is for you. It's just so improbable to have to go on the road three times to win. So for me, it's, it's gotta be all in 
in in Calgary on Saturday this week on the road to just have to give yourself a good opportunity instead of instead of you know requiring some miraculous intervention in order to uh, proceed and and win more than one playoff game. So we agree then that if the Blue Bombers choose to ignore what happens should they lose on Saturday night if they if they pretend that that mountain doesn't exist they do so at their peril i think yeah. they really need to understand what's is, at stake yeah. and and you it's and your you, first playoff game right here right and yeah. you can shout all you want about we treat it one game at a time but you really have to understand what happens if you lose and exactly the word i would have used the consequences of not doing so so calgary is not an easy place to win it's easy for the stampeders to win there because they do it almost every single time they play at mcmahon stadium they're, they're six and two at home this year which is a little bit surprising because usually they're you know uh seven they'd be seven and one or uh you know or eight no right now but sure. so there's a small chink in that armor but well uh, i think also, i think bo levi Bo-Levi, mitchell yeah. was injured for both of those games and yeah. missed both both those losses at mcmahon so that's not likely to be the scenario uh come saturday night imagine what that would do for your football team though right going in there if you want to talk about a game a turning point that can define your season and could write the storybook finish of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, chapter one has to be in Calgary on Saturday, right? The, this book doesn't get to get written, in in my estimation, unless they can go there and be successful, right? It's got to start there so you can have some advantages. I mean, I just look like Saskatchewan's three remaining games. One's against BC, okay, mm. Riley's without down. Without Mike Riley. Yeah, without Riley. I don't care who they just signed to bring in. That's that's a win right there. And then their last two games are against Edmonton. And Edmonton, what do they have to play for? Yeah, Edmonton has nothing to play for, and Trevor Harris has been uh, banged up and, and injured, and they want to have him feeling great. And no matter what, Edmonton is crossing over and going to play Montreal. So they have nothing invested in those games whatsoever. So... To say Saskatchewan only wins two out of those three is actually being very generous to the oddsman because they should win all three of those, sure right? And then they own the tiebreaker, so which means there's absolutely no chance the Bombers get first. So, yeah, this is uh, this game uh, for me. It's uh, it's the start of the, the postseason for Winnipeg, and uh, I really hope uh, the Colorado Low somehow travels to Calgary because. Uh, you need every uh, environmental advantage you can muster, I think, to uh, to get an advantage against that. And it's hard. I mean, everyone says the CFL is a quarterback-driven league. And it just doesn't sound right when you say Chris Strebler versus Bo Levi Mitchell. You're just like, that is not fair. So we want some snow, and we need some turnovers from the defense, and we need Willie Jefferson playing his best game. You just need more things in your favor in order to level that playing field, I believe. Okay, so i got to sneak this in there because you, you kind of maybe tipped your hand here. We weren't going to talk about it today, but last year you nominated and suggested that Adam Big Hill was the Blue Bombers' most outstanding player on either side of the ball. Are we looking at a similar situation this year with Willie Jefferson? Yeah, probably. I mean, I'd like to see who steps up in these uh, biggest of of big time games here uh, remaining. Obviously, your your memory is always going to be the freshest. Of what happens last in terms of the regular season, and these are critical games. And uh, uh, you know, I don't want I don't want to necessarily tip my hand uh, ahead of time, but um, he's in the running. 
Oh, without question. Yeah. Willie Jefferson. Is it between him and Andrew Harris at this point? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's certainly, those are certainly two names that are involved in the discussion. So we'll, we'll see. But like you said, uh, I think this is the most important game of the season coming up. So how can you make a decision without seeing, uh, you know, the impact from any number? Yeah. In, in In the biggest game of the year. How do you like Brandon Alexander at safety? I mentioned it in the pregame show. and Love it. I, I mean, you're not old enough to remember Benny Thompson playing for the Blue Bombers. No. But uh, uh, he was a dominant force back there, and uh, he made some tremendous plays on Saturday against Montreal. And just talk about just that difference of, you know, Jeff Hecht has done a, a fine job at the safety position, and, and Tyler Loeffler did a, did a more than excellent uh, job in a lot of people's minds for the previous three seasons. But, Talk about what it means to have somebody like Brandon Alexander. It reminds me of Mo Kelly. It reminds me of of having uh, uh, like uh, to have a big hitter like that in the middle and someone who knows the game. Just just that extra just amount of the, speed. Right. You just look at the difference. The secondary how they've played since he's been back there. Right. And uh, you know there haven't been these busts. There haven't been guys getting behind coverage. Right. Uh, there haven't been allowing these big explosion plays. He's been smacking the hell out of people every opportunity he gets. Um, and uh, he's been involved in a number of plays. Guys are getting lined up right. Uh, he's super dynamic. A lot of time you, you get a, a bigger plotting type safety. You know, he's got wheels. He can cover He can cover guys. He can help you in coverage. He can hit people. He can help on the run. He can fill in the alley on the run. Because he's played he's linebacker just, as oh, well, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So, and, you know, he's your leader in the secondary. And, and now he's in this middle of the field as a safety. And I think, uh, you know, the performance of the defense the last couple of weeks speaks, speaks for itself in terms of his contribution and, and his impact on that group. So, uh, I think it's a fantastic move, and uh, obviously they're going to keep keep them there for for now and 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 the near future, hopefully for as long as they can afford to do it with yeah. the ratio. And Kyrie Seabear is the other name that jumps to mind. That luxury, the of unguided a... missile, Kyrie Seabear. <laughs> that was the best description I ever got from a coach about him. I like. That I was like, a who lot. is this a bear guy? Where like before I even met him when he was being brought to our team, and Greg Marshall said he's kind of like an unguided missile. You just got to make sure, you know, he goes off in the right direction. I'm like, okay. And that was an apt yeah. description, without doubt. He had a lot of an impact for the most part with the Montreal Alouettes after he left the Blue Bombers. Zach Caleros, he was uh, not in the lineup. He was not dressed. His, uh, In fact, the sweatpants with the W logo on them still had the creases in them uh, when I saw him on Saturday. But he was on the sidelines, and he was following along with the plays. He had the playbook, and he had the wristband and was following along and, and basically studying on the fly on Saturday. How important is it that Zach Caleros get some time on the field in the next couple regular season games? That's a very good question. Um, I still think it's dependent upon, uh, it's going to be situational, and I think it's going to be dependent upon how Chris Strebler is playing. Um, I think uh, I think you have to get him into the regular season, at least one of these games. I think probably the home game, um, depending upon the scenario of uh, how things are going in that game, whether there's an opportunity. I, I think they have to be looking to get his involvement in some respect because, like I say, uh, you're one snap away right now from throwing a guy in there that's never thrown a pass in the CFL. We'll and I yeah. I think that's unacceptable. Yep. So it would be, uh, I mean, it's great that he's going to get another week with that bye week, but still no live reps there, right? I, I still think he should get a taste of operating with uh, – 
with this offense in the regular season. So, uh, you know, whether hopefully they're up by three touchdowns in Calgary, I, I don't know how probable that pretty, is. Pretty with, bold, with, Doug. Uh, <laughs> with three minutes up, but I'm just saying situationally, or at home the following week, they're up by or whatever. I don't want to say down by, but anytime situationally, you know, the game is over, you hope uh, somebody has the, the prudence to and, and the uh, proactive sense to give him, uh, uh, get him some involvement and give him uh, some reps uh, working with this offense because it's never the same as what you get in practice. He's a super experienced guy. I don't think he needs you know a half, but I think he should get out there and uh, get some film so he can uh, make some adjustments and continue his development over the bye week. Now, uh, I, I know you're making the trip to Calgary this weekend. Have you taken a look at the forecast? No. Snow? Wednesday, 15, Thursday, 14, Friday, 11, Saturday, 9 degrees, partly Ugh. cloudy to sunny every single day. So weather will not <laughs> Terrible. Be. So terrible weather. Ter- 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 terrible for us. Yes. Great for Calgary. Weather. Absolutely tremendous. Okay. Uh, exactly Can't those Chinooks expect. just show up? Out of anywhere. Yeah, but those you know? are good, typically, the Chinooks. Oh, the Chinooks. Uh, so what's the bad? The Calgary bad is gets? just a... The like Calgary just got dumped on with they've snow. Had, like, they've had two so snowstorms already. When they come up. Those are called snowstorms. <laughs> Colorado lows. <laughs> yeah, they don't they get are. the Colorado lows. They're, they're, not, they're too far north. They're right ahead, uh, up above of They get Colorado, the Rocky Mountain north highs, of, yeah, they? Yeah, the highs and the lows. So the Blue Bombers are going to have to match up with the Stampeders on what I anticipate and what we should probably be planning on to be a, a dry and almost ideal condition Saturday night. It'll be a little bit chilly. Just go ball control, right? Just like they did uh, in Winnipeg. It'll be a little bit chilly, but uh, you know, own time of possession, run the ball, put together long, sustained, methodical drives, and then uh, hopefully your retuned defense can turn the ball over again. I mean, that's going to be the, the, the factor right there, whether or not they can uh, take the ball away from Bull Levi Mitchell. Doug, even when the Blue Bombers were at their best and those three seasons when the, when the Bombers won more team, more games than any team in the CFL back in, oh, 2000, 2001, 2002. It was 0-1-2, 0-2, 0-3. Yep. Yeah. Why? You still had a hard time winning in Calgary. Well, we won some games in Calgary. Yeah? I believe the first game I ever played in the regular season was in Calgary in 2001, and we put up a 50 donut on them, so... Oh, I'm well, not a 50 donut. You know what? I might have been at that game, yeah. in fact. Really? Yes. It was a nice one. Yeah, that was a nice one. Nobody, that, I do that's when Milt that, started actually. pretending he was riding the horse up and down the field. I do remember yeah. that. But for the most part, what is it about that stadium? It's 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 oddly constructed. It's one giant bowl. It feels like you're miles away from the field when you're in the stands. And the, the field itself, when you're watching on television, feels as though it's bigger than any other field in the CFL. Just because of the construct of the stadium, it's just very odd. It feels like they have miles and acres to work out there and the Stampeders seem to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to the fact that Calgary Stampeders are a very good football team. They have been for a very long time and so they maximize their performances at home in a comfortable and uh, uh, a familiar environment. Altitude, is that an issue in Calgary at all? No, not no. at all. Not at all. Not not in my experiences. But no, it's just they're, they're a very, perennially a very good team. And when you play a very good team, it's like the Patriots, right? They're, they're, they are kind of the Patriots. They're very good on the road, but they're even better at home, mm-hmm. right? And, and they're positioning right now just to get that home 
uh, field advantage throughout the NFL playoffs. And you know, it's that much more difficult if you have to go through there. And uh, Calgary is the equivalent of that in the, in the CFL, not as many championships, but certainly as many, what four of the last five great cups they've represented the West. So, uh, 80% of the time when they finish first in the, in the West, they are representing the West in the Grey Cup. Can we call it a daunting task for yeah, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? But, you know, it's change has got to, sooner or later, right? You can't be the best forever, can you? We're about to find out. So you, you got to hope, you know, Winnipeg was a first place team for so long this year, and then they had some injury scenarios. But now it appears like they've turned the corner yet again and are playing good football and uh, now they finally get to meet a Calgary team with Bo Levi at the helm. So we're about to find out just exactly if this team can live up to the hype and expectations we had for them as a super high caliber team uh, and see what they can do in Calgary. Is it good enough? We'll find out on Saturday pregame at 4, 6 o'clock kickoff here on 680 CJOB. Doug Brown will do this at least a few more times. Thanks for this. All right, my friend. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.